Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Roundup. This week I have an interview with Ed Mandy, creator of the Neo Flash Master, as well as those cool little GBA um, Raspberry Pi machines under the name Freeplay Tech. So uh, stay tuned at the end for that. And also, just a heads up, um, I will be traveling for work next week, so there definitely will still be a podcast. It just might be kind of short, and depending on where I am when it goes out, um, it, I might not even be able to shoot it here. I might shoot it for a hotel room or something like that. So uh, sorry if the quality next week isn't that great, but uh, I haven't missed a single one yet since the first week that I started, and I don't plan on missing one just because work sent me away to a different place. So um, hopefully we'll, this will all work itself out, but for now, let's jump into this week's news. First up, I covered the Too Old, Too Furious tournament last Saturday, and I had an absolute blast. Unfortunately, I was really sick. I'm just now starting to feel better, actually, but uh, it was an amazing time. I had so much fun, and I tried to do as good of a video review of it as possible. I don't feel like I did it justice, though. I feel like the next time around, I got to bring some real equipment. Scott was traveling last weekend, so you know he uh, he went to school for for this stuff. So hopefully, we'll go in next time and do like a real like a documentary on this thing or something. But um, you know, huge props to the entire team involved for making that thing as amazing as it was. You know, players from all over the world came, and after seeing the footage, some more players from even farther places were saying they want to come and visit for next time. So very exciting stuff. Even if you're not super huge into fighting games, it's just I hate to sound cheesy, but like you could totally feel the energy there. I mean, it was just an absolute blast. So um, if you're even slightly interested in anything like that, I highly recommend giving the video a watch. Uh, excuse my profanity and my glassy-eyed, high-on-cold medicine, trying to drink a beer and interview people thing. Uh, honestly, um, you know, at, at the very least, you get to sense the enthusiasm, because although I wasn't at my best, uh, I certainly was as excited as you can be. So hopefully you guys are into that, and uh, I will update you the next time there's a solid date on the next, uh, the next Too Old, Too Furious tournament. Last week, My Life in Gaming posted their Sega Saturn video, which came out absolutely awesome. Um, those guys, I mean, at this point, I don't even watch their videos on a computer or my phone. I'll actually sit down on my couch and watch it on my big TV, because it feels like a legit documentary. They did a really great job, they covered a lot of cool things, and, uh, you know, as always, they get all the tech stuff right. So, uh, I mean, if you're even remotely interested in the Saturn, definitely give this one a watch. Next, someone was able to load Flappy Bird onto a Dreamcast VMU. So while that's not really retro gaming news and probably not very useful, I just thought it was cool enough to at least show. Uh, anybody interested, the link is in the description. Next, Firebrand X has updated his Framemeister profiles for Atari Jaguar and Atari 2600, 
And he even included a, a kind of a neat one with perfect square pixels for Tempest 2000, which, even if you're not a fan of a Jaguar, that is a phenomenal game, especially if you have one of those spinner controllers, because those are just, that makes the game, that changes the game from being a very cool Jaguar game to being like a must-play at least once in your life. Um, he also has a 720p Super Game Boy profile that also corrects to square pixels, just like the real Game Boy screen has. Um, and it also just so happens to fill the screen vertically in 720 mode. So um, if you're a FrameMeister user, there's no reason not to use these profiles. Um, so definitely check them out and make sure to update. Nintendo just released voice chat for the Switch via a cell phone, which is just as convoluted as you would expect it to be. Um, I haven't even bothered trying it out yet, but uh, you can see just from the picture alone that it's a little weird. Uh, so if any of you guys have used it, I'd love to hear your experiences, because I imagine it's probably a little wacky. Atari just released the speaker hat. A hat with Bluetooth speakers. So if this is what we could expect from the new and improved Atari, I'm a little nervous. Um, I guess it's maybe a neat thing to have. I can't imagine wanting to go around listening to music coming from the brim of my hat, but I guess we'll see how it does. I received a few emails last week about the Dream PSU, an Indiegogo project that's trying to get funding for a replacement Dreamcast power supply that puts the DC to AC conversion on the, uh, on the outside using a wall wart freeing up a lot of space and a lot of heat inside the Dreamcast. Um, on the one hand, I think that's an absolute amazing idea, because that's exactly what Chris, the creator of the open-source Dreamcast HDMI project, was hoping for. That way you could utilize all of that extra space to put the HDMI board, and then just uh, without cutting at all, come up with a, a little port that has maybe a micro HDMI and a DC power input, so that you could essentially have all of this in your Dreamcast without any cutting of the plastic and you know, making it a little bit more efficient. So if this gets funded, hopefully um, uh, he'll actually rethink his design and maybe work around this so that people could buy this and, uh, you know, his project's open source, but maybe take that board and find a way to maybe stack them or something. I don't know, some easy way to install them so that they both fit nicely. The one thing that I will say, and I'm not trying to be negative, but creating a power supply is a lot harder than people think. Uh, I mean, I spent so much time in my life in an EMI chamber um, all over the world, actually, testing the products that my old company used to make, and I know for damn sure there are so many little things that could be overlooked. Um, so if this is actually a product that gets certification, um, it'll be awesome because uh, you don't have to worry. It won't, won't pass certification without any of this. If not, though, you just need to be fully aware of the fact that um, even though it generates less heat, there could be things about the design that um, might harm your console over time. So I have—I don't know the designers at all. I don't know their history. Maybe they're power supply creators, but um, just be aware of these things. You know, it sounds great, and there's an Indiegogo campaign, but um, you know, I personally am not going to use one until I see some kind of documentation showing that they made this exactly the way it should otherwise you could do more harm than good so like i said i'm sorry i don't mean to be negative um hopefully the product's awesome but just when you're messing with power supplies you could really do a lot of damage and the bigger problem too is that you could do damage over a course of a year so you don't realize that this is what did the damage you just think oh my dreamcast is getting old so 
Um, well, maybe, you know, it says uh, made by Chris Moon from the UK. Uh, if anybody knows him, you know, maybe you get him to shoot me an email. I'd, I'd love to have him on for an interview and uh, pick his brain. And hopefully all of his answers are, are the right ones. But anyway, um, the link is in the description. Check it out yourself and decide if it's something you want to back. Full Throttle Remastered was just released on iOS devices. The remastered version was already released a few months ago on PlayStation 4 and Vita, but now it's on all iOS devices as well. I'd really like to check this one out too, because I think I vaguely remember playing the original on PC all those years ago when it first came out, um, and I keep talking about playing the remastered versions of PC games, but I just haven't gotten around to it. I think Day of the Tentacle and uh, Phantasmagoria were also redone, and I'd really like to check them out and see what they look like and, and how the gameplay translates over, so hopefully I'll have time one of these days. Andy X on the Shmups forums just posted labels for your SCART heads which actually is a really great idea, and I'm surprised more people haven't done this before. Basically, you could label the heads of your SCART cables so that when you have them all lined up in your Switch, it's easy to tell which one goes to each console. So, uh, awesome idea. Firebrand X also actually redid a few of them and is posting his own as well, and uh, I just I think it's very cool. So I'm going to try to buy some uh, sticker print paper and make all these myself for mine, because I know when I have a bunch plugged in, even when I only have three or four plugged into the G-SCART, it's, you know, they all look identical, so it's really hard to see which one's which. So I think this will be a fun a fun thing to do and uh, obviously really cheap. Um, they, you know, donated the design files already, so all you would need is just a, a printer and some stickers. So definitely check out the, both links in the description. Saint has just posted some progress on the Jaguar SD. Uh, I guess the first PCBs, which are just prototypes, are in production, and once he receives them, he could do some real hardware testing and kind of see what else he could do with it. He said he also saw that you could add an additional two megs of internal jam, internal jam, internal jam. Am I hungry or something? Two megs of internal jam, of internal RAM to the Jaguar if you wanted. Um, so I guess kind of like in the way that you could uh, an N64 expansion pack or the Saturn's uh, expansion cart. Um, so I guess obviously this would really only be for homebrew. But I mean, I think the the Jaguar has a pretty strong following and. I think adding anything else to it would just even push homebrew past what it could, uh, and I think it would attract a lot more people to develop on it. So, um, you know, even he himself says it could be a pointless addition, but he's going to try to do it anyway just, just because. Um, so I'll keep everybody updated as there's any more information or if there's a pre-order, but I'm really looking forward to getting one of these and messing around with all the different JAG stuff. Saint from Retro HQ also posted in response to Rene from DB Electronics' flash cart post. Um, he said that all of his ROM carts adhere to all of the correct power standards of whatever console you're using them in, um, and his response was overall positive to the whole thing, um, which was surprising because most people's responses, even people that make uh, correct products, was a little strange. But I'm really glad to see somebody else just flying the flag for trying to make the best products possible. Um, I'm glad he already adheres to all of these uh, the correct power standards, and I'm especially glad that Renee's article is making a difference. So while while not just pissing people off, um, people are now taking uh, they're becoming more aware of what they put in their consoles. I guess so. Uh, congrats to both of them for doing great work, uh, and I'm a fan of both of them. 
Someone on the Sega 16 forums purchased one of those 720p HDMI Genesis consoles that people have been seeing popping up on AliExpress. Um, and he posted pictures of the entire thing inside and out, and I believe it uses pretty much the same thing as the Retron 1 HD, which is basically a Genesis on a chip um, using its LVDS output to an HDMI upscaler. So essentially, you know, it has the potential to be a little bit better than scaled composite video, but not too much. Um, and, you know, there's trade-offs, so you don't have to worry about the wrong color palette because, you know, the Genesis has already always put out RGB colors. But there wasn't as much documentation on the Genesis as the Nintendo, so maybe the Genesis on a chip isn't as accurate. I don't know. To be honest, um, I'm not really interested in any of these, and I'm not going to be reviewing them. Um, you know, I, I was hopeful for a little while to see if maybe people did anything creative, but... Uh, I think everybody's just doing the same thing. They're just pumping out those system on a chips into an HDMI upscaler, and all the reviews are going to be the same anyway. I mean, I'm not going to like any of them. They're obviously designed for casual gamers, although I believe this one's $80, so it's not too casual of a gamer. Um, I'm sure the At Games one that's coming out is probably the same thing rebranded. So uh, I guess, you know, whenever approaching things like this, if you're looking if you're looking at it as a cheap toy or just a way to oh well I just need a quick solution for now fine but I wouldn't take any of these things seriously as a serious product um, you know the opposite of which of course would be like the AVS or the Analog NT Mini both of which are serious products and, and amazing products so um, hopefully we'll finally start to see some real FPGA stuff soon. But this definitely isn't it, and I could pretty much guarantee none of the other stuff um, sub $100 coming out in the next year will be either. Smoke Monster just posted a roll-up pack for the Taito F3 kit from Darksoft. So basically, you could now put every single one of the Taito F3 games onto an SD card and play it off of one of the main system boards. So uh, obviously, I'm just a massive fan of all of this because, I mean, it's getting harder and harder to preserve arcade games. So doing stuff like this, you could just buy you know your favorite Taito F, um, F3 actual stand-up arcade and then use this multi-cart in it to have a real experience for all of the games. No lag, no emulation. But, you know, and it's it's always the constant, you know, is, is, are ROM stealing? Is this right? And the bottom line is, you know, no one, no one is reselling these arcade machines nowadays, and they have a finite lifespan. So things like this are going to keep them alive just a little bit longer before they eventually all disappear. So I'm a massive fan of it, uh, and I'm obviously a big fan of Smoke Monster and all the work he does. So uh, anybody that has Darksoft's new Taito F3 thing, this is kind of a must-have. Uh, definitely check out the link in the description. Extremes has just posted an updated version of the Game Boy interface um, with a couple of minor changes, but I always try to stay with the latest versions anyway because I use them from an SD card. So um, I always just recommend using the latest version of this stuff as long as it doesn't cost you like a, a DVD-R every time one comes out. But um, for the low-latency version, he changed the reset combo behavior. And for GBA as GameCube controller support, he added GBA as N64 controller 
And I'll be perfectly honest, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> um, and then improved compatibility with controller adapters. So a small update, but worthy. Um, and as always, I mean, Extrems does great work. Uh, at the moment, currently, uh, the Game Boy interface using the GameCube and the Game Boy Player uh, is still the best way to play these games on a, a big TV. That might all change by the end of the year, but if you have all that stuff, you might as well be using this software and, you know, the latest version. There's a new product up on eBay called the SD to Vita, which is basically a micro SD card to PlayStation Vita adapter board. And it looks like it requires a jailbroken firmware, but overall it seems like a pretty handy thing to have. But I honestly don't know anything more about it. So if anybody has any info um, about the project, is it well built? Does anybody know anything about it at all, really? Uh, definitely post down below because I'd be interested to hearing more about it. There are now patches available for both Game Boy Color Zelda games, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, that activate the enhanced Game Boy Advance mode. So in those games, I believe there was one store in each game that was only accessible if you played it on a Game Boy Advance. Um, and also, I think the colors uh, came out different on each. So uh, it seems like a pretty cool hack. Um, any way you could, uh, you could change and enhance an already great game is uh, totally cool by me. And I'm really looking forward to replaying it because uh, I believe I played Seasons on original hardware, but ages via emulation, so I dealt with some of the, the lag and stuff like that. So I'd really like to replay it, and I'm wondering what the color difference is going to feel like. So maybe I'll finally get me one of those uh, Ben Venn backlight kits for a Game Boy Color, or if BitBuilt has their, uh, their backlight screen coming out in a few months, um, as soon as one of those is out and in my hands, I'll start replaying these games, and uh, I'll definitely try the patch. A new scaler was just announced called the Retro Scaler A1, and basically it's designed for arcade boards to be used on 480p displays. And while it has nothing to do with the open source scan converter and kind of goes about it a little bit different, um, it's essentially the same effect where you're, you're doing a line doubling. So I believe it's still in a prototype phase, but I would certainly love to take a look at one of these, and especially in the context of what it was designed for, for arcade boards. Um, because depending on your setup, using just a, a 480p CRT might actually be better and infinitely easier than trying to get another arcade monitor or something else. So um, I'm looking forward to any progress on it, and I'll definitely report back when there's more news. Some new Atari games are now available on the Atari Age Store. Full complete in-box games for Atari 2600, 5200, and 7800 are now available for purchase. So if you're a fan of those, definitely check it out and see if any are something you'd be interested in. Next, a quick update to the HD Retrovision cables. It looks like they're almost out of SNES cables, but they still have some left. So if you were on the fence about picking one of those up, you should probably do it now because they'll probably be out of stock fairly soon. Um, I think they have a bunch of Genesis cables left, which is good because that's the cable that you use with all the adapters. And I actually think they have the adapters in stock. So it's almost like they're a real business with real stock. Good job, guys. A for effort. <laughs> 
And this last bit isn't really news, I just kind of wanted to share it because I, I thought it was neat. But there's a game for the Sega Genesis called Zero Tolerance, which is pretty much a ripoff of all of those first-person shooters that were around in the 90s. Um, and it wasn't the greatest game. You have to play in like a little portion of the window because uh, I don't think the Genesis graphics power could keep up with, you know, full-screen first-person shooter. But one of the things that always struck me as cool about it um, is you could actually use a link cable to connect two Genesis consoles together to play head-to-head -head against each other. And today, stuff like that is not exciting at all. I mean, that's that's every you know online multiplayer shooting game. But back then, it was a big deal. And when I bought the game, it even had one of those mail-in cards where you like fill out the card, uh, put a check for $5 in, and they would send you one of these link cables. Uh, and I did. And of course, just like everything from the 80s and 90s, it took six months to arrive. And by that time, the you know the excitement of the game had long worn off, and I kind of just forgot about it. Uh, but now that I have a Nomad, which has a second-player port, um, and a Genesis, I was able to play them side-by-side, side and, and I thought, hey, you know, let's let's actually try this out and see if it works. So Ben from iFix Retro happened to be over, um, so I just said, hey, man, you feel like making a cable while I'm, you know, doing this other thing? And he whipped me up a, a cable using extension cords, so we didn't kill Genesis controllers. We just bought two extension cords, cut them in the middle, and spliced them together. And I hooked my main Genesis console up to my Nomad, and you could actually play head-to-head. -head. Um, and, you know, it's not great. Um, if you want a first-person shooter experience, this is the last game I would recommend. But if you're a fan of the Genesis and you play this back in the day, it's kind of a neat thing. So I just wanted to show the video, and I hope you guys get a kick out of that. Okay, now on to the Q&As. First up, Nluca420 said on the 3DS note, why wouldn't you bother buying the smaller one? Um, I used to think that exact same thing, which is why I wanted to bring it up. Um, not, you know, poking funny or anything, but it actually wasn't until Corey from My Life in Gaming came to New York and we were kind of walking around the Nintendo store. Um, and, you know, I kind of said the same thing, like, you know, why would anybody buy the smaller one? And he showed, because um, they were kind of side by side. The smaller one has smaller pixels because it's the same resolution, and on such a low-resolution device, it actually did make a bit of a difference. I mean, I thought the screen looked a little bit better. I would still prefer to play on the bigger one just because I got big hands and everything. I'm used to you know playing guitar for a million years, so you know, just you know I want to stretch out and be comfortable. But um, I think the screen might have actually been a hair better on the smaller one just because you know smaller pixels pixels closer together. But it's just an opinion. Um, but yeah, to answer your comment, that's why people may have preferred it. Maybe you have smaller hands, and maybe you think the screen's better enough to actually go with that one. Next, Retro Rhymer asked if I can give my opinion on RGB SCART versus component. Um, I'm going to have to give super short answers because I could probably talk for an entire podcast on that. And actually, maybe that'll be a topic for the Retro Roundtable. Maybe, uh, you know, I'll battle Steve and Nick on which is better. But the truth is, um, there's, there's two ways, there's two specific scenarios. Uh, if, you're, if you have a console such as the Wii or the Xbox where you could go 480p, um, do 480p. Because uh, it's going to look better than 480i on a CRT or a flat screen. So in that case, I would say component is better because RGB SCART from those consoles are only 480i. But if you're talking specifically about retro gaming, it's really all about the equipment and what's best for you. So, you know, if you have something like a, a 
Sega Genesis with a shielded RGB SCART cable going into a RGB monitor. I mean, it's all you're all leaving it in RGB all the way across the chain. So there's really no reason to switch over to component. But you know, if you're going from like a Genesis into a, a flat screen TV, um, especially in North America where we didn't have SCART inputs, then uh, components perfect. So it's really just what's best for your situation. Um, if you're talking about the actual standards, the video standards of RGB versus component, um, when done correctly, you probably can't tell a difference. Um, when done incorrectly, uh, a badly converted RGB signal to component, you will be able to see the difference. Or, or in the rare occasion that you have equipment that doesn't understand how to process component correctly. Um, which it's not common, but it does exist. So that's as good as I could do in a short time period. Um, you know, maybe we could battle this out, like, and get into the really nerdy stuff one of these days. But that's basically it. Use what's best for your situation. Uh, if you have a choice between 480p and 480i, always go with p, even if it's a, you know if it's component versus cart. Next, Xenodragon asked what people are using to split arcade RGB signals for a versus setup or a spectator monitor. Um, and he said the GSCART switch light is a little overkill for that purpose. Uh, I think in most cases, that's actually not the right device at all, to be honest with you. Um, the GSCART light is really just designed for, you know, basic video sig 75 ohm RGB video signals in and outputting the same thing. Um, I think something like this, you'd actually want to use a distribution amp. So uh, you'd either have to have a cable made or make your own cable so that the signal is coming through a D-sub VGA style cable. And use, um, I believe the two old Too Furious guys used an Xtron VGA uh, distribution amp. Um, I'm not 100% sure. I can go dig up pictures of it. But that way, that one signal coming from the arcade board goes into a box that outputs the correct signal. So there's not too much load put on any side. It's um, outputting the right signal. Um, you could attenuate it with resistors in the cables if you really needed to. But the distribution amp, I think, is the best way because uh, that way it, you have as many outputs as you need. So for like the Street Fighter, um, they had one output going to each of the versus cabs and then one going into an upscaler into the projector on the wall, and then another one going into another OSSC that went into their stream so people could see it online. So that's kind of the way to do it um, if you really want to do it right. But almost always you're going to need some kind of custom cable, and if you really want to just go above and beyond and make sure everything's perfect, yeah, you might even want to have somebody with a scope come and test the ends of all the cables to make sure that um, not you're not outputting too much or too little voltage to any of those devices. So I guess the real answer to your question is it's not nearly as easy as just buying a switch. Um, it's, nothing involving arcade machines is easy. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe one day I could do like a, um, a walkthrough with, uh, with Jose, the guy that did the Too Old Too Furious setup, to actually get exactly the right way to do it and you know measure things out just to kind of prove it out. That would actually be a fun video, so I'll add that to the very long list of stuff i got to get done eventually, but good question. And lastly, I got sent kind of an interesting question about a Game Boy Advanced amp. Um, I didn't even know that this existed, but there's actually an audio amplifier project that allows you to upgrade the audio amp in your GBA so that you could get a much better sound out of the speaker, because I think the 
sound out of GBA's speaker is notoriously bad. I've always, almost always tried to use headphones as a result. But um, it's called the GB Amp 2 Project, and it, I believe it's open source, but you could buy pre-made versions of it on Tindy. And the question I got was, this is a mono audio amplifier. So um, is there a way to actually make this, uh, or, or make a version of it, because it is open source, so that it's a stereo amplifier, so that somebody could add a second speaker to their GBA? Um, I obviously uh, would not want to ever hack up plastic of a GBA, but um, there's plenty of aftermarket cases available, and, and those I would just you know, no problem. Cut that thing right that right up. So, from that perspective, yeah, I mean, I, I love it. You know, add the amp, cut a hole so you could have a second speaker mounted in, and, and have a real stereo, you know, a, a much better experience out of it. So, if anybody has any information on that, or just wants to check out the project, the links are all below. And also, um, I was wondering if there's any way to upgrade the headphone amp in that, because um, you know a lot of people still play those things and I know there isn't a headphone amp upgrade for the original DMG Game Boys and I don't know maybe that's something that people would be interested in but I don't know enough about uh, audio amps to do this right um, even if I had time to try to work on the project I'm not the guy for it there's uh, lots of guys out there that do great work and understand audio so if anybody has any info or any insight into that definitely post down below or if you just want to check out the, the PCB for sale, um, all links are, are down below. Okay, up next I have an interview with Ed Mandy, creator of stuff like the Neo Flash Master and the Free Play Tech um, Raspberry Pi gaming boxes. I think that's the best way to describe them. Um, before I go, uh, I just um, I wanted to see what anybody thought of this new camera setup. Uh, I'm only borrowing the camera because it is, I think, just a, a 1080i one. But Arturo from uh, Too Old Too Furious Team Spooky let me borrow just to kind of see how I'd like the setup. And at the very least, it proves that I could use something like this and not have to worry about lag because I'm pretty sure I'm, uh, there's no lag between it. Um, other than that, I mean, does it look okay? Should I invest in another one of these? I found these at a junk store the other day for $10 a piece, so I think I'm going to try out this next week um, and then go from there. But basically, I just I know if I went to B&H, I could spend five grand and get all the equipment I need, but I'm still working on a very tight budget, so stuff like $10 cameras that may or may not work that I found at a junk store is a little bit more my speed this time. So, um, you know, if anybody has any thoughts on this, did it look okay, did it suck, whatever. It is interlaced, so, like, any fast movement's probably still going to look weird, but what can you do? Um, and that's about it. I mean, uh, I mentioned before that uh, next week I'll be traveling, so the podcast might not be normal. It'll still be there, but it might be really short or shot at a hotel room instead of here. And as always, any comments or criticism, post down below. I love hearing from you guys, and uh, on to the interview. Hey guys, I'm here with Ed from Free Play Tech. How's it going, man? Hey, how are you doing? Good, good. So uh, I'm glad we finally got a chance to talk. We've been trying to make this happen for a while, but summer hours and stuff like that. Yeah, trying to get everything yeah. Scheduled, we, were, so. we were traveling for a while and everything, so this is good. Yeah. So we've, uh, you know, like most of my guests, we've actually talked uh, a while back over email, but never actually spoken before. So uh, I believe now you run the Flashmaster website as well as the Free Play free play tech stuff right yeah that's that's correct so flash master and what was before that was kind of our my first foray into really making hardware stuff mm -hmm. um, my background is software so that that was uh yeah i mean we can go into the background of that if you want to or 
Yeah, yeah, sure. First, though, um, is it always your goal to try to name your things with tongue twisters? Because <laughs> let me tell you, trying to say Flash Master, like, every time I talk about your products in the Roundup has killed me. And now Free Play yeah. Tech apparently is going to be a hard one for me as well. So. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't think Free Play Tech would be as bad. But yeah, yeah Flash Master was named out of... Uh, um, there's a guy named Brian that goes, uh, goes by turf master, mm-hmm. um, on the Neo Geo forums. Mm-hmm. And he was helping me at the time and we kind of put some things together and I used that name and he had, he was happy with that at the time. And then, you know, I still talked to him, but he really didn't have anything to do with the project after that. So it was kind of a, yeah, gotcha. it was, it was kind of a funny naming scheme because of that. So that, um, that was your first foray into making parts for retro games then was the the flash master stuff yeah i had been around like the software side of things and i've been really interested in hardware for a while but i thought you know i I don't have a background in hardware um i did i don't know if you remember the bung cartridges that were way back in the day they were game boy cartridges and neo geo pocket cartridges made by a company called bung which is Oddly, a different naming problem, I think. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I don't think I remember those. Yeah, so they were kind of popular back when you know, actually, when the probably Game Boy Color and Neo Geo Pocket were still you know popular as uh, something you could buy off the shelf. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there I did some software work for a couple of those things, and one of them was I wrote some software for the cartridge on the Neo Geo Pocket. And it, because of that, I had to learn a lot about how the flash hardware worked on the Neo Geo Pocket and kept trying over years and years to get somebody else to implement my knowledge. And then I, at some point, just decided, okay, well, I'm just going to learn how to do some hardware stuff myself and did a pretty poor job in retrospect. But, you know, when you're teaching yourself how to do it there's a lot going on and everybody's going to start somewhere i mean there's no such thing as somebody that comes out with a perfect product in the first try so (laughs) right right um so back then uh i had uh, my brother-in-law was going through school i think at the time still and i would show him my stuff and he'd look at it and say oh i it's wonder that that thing works you know he'd look at it and and they, um, I used a feature back in the day called auto routing mm-hmm. for the for making the circuit boards. Yeah, and he just thought that was crazy. Like, why would anybody auto route something? You know, he'd hand route things and maybe assisted route it, but you wouldn't auto route an entire board. Funny you so, say that because so many of the boards I see pop up on eBay for things like the RGB mods are very clearly auto routed. <laughs> exactly. So my my technique at the time was place the components and hit auto route. And <laughs> if it didn't work, tweak some of the components or look for the contention areas and then maybe rotate a chip or something and then hit auto route again and, until something worked. But it worked and that's kind of where I got my start. Awesome. So now that said brother-in-law is actually who's doing the, you know, the circuit board layout and a lot of the circuit design for oh, cool. upcoming stuff. So when did uh, when did the Flashmaster stuff actually get released? Um, I started doing that on a hobby level, probably. Uh, I'd have to actually go back through some emails and stuff, but maybe that was probably seven years ago or something in that range. And then I, you know, um, yeah, you probably know about the, the Neo SD card. Well, I know you know about the the Neo SD card that just came out and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, we're we're just still making the flash cartridges because they were the only ones available for such a long time. And you know, the interesting thing is, in retrospect, ours kind of developed out of a completely different uh, need at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you know, now there's a lot more technology with the SD card and the FPGA stuff that he's doing, and it's just you know, completely different design because of what it was born out of. And so. Okay. But they're priced accordingly too, so it's not like yeah, you know, right, it's not like right. a direct competitor. You know, one they're just exactly. two two things where the end result's kind of the same, but two different ways of getting there. So right. So one of the I told you I was going to grab some uh, props and stuff before. Mm-hmm. So I found I'd look around for this one a little bit, but this is one of a uh, one of the pieces that I made in the past is, you know, we had the cartridge for the Neo Geo pocket and then we had the linker. Mm-hmm. So the, back in the day, a lot of people used parallel port linkers. Well, this was our USB linker. So you'd, you'd have to put them together and program the cartridge and then you could use the cartridge on its own. Well, one of our design or one of my design goals at the time was to make something like this that could work with uh, existing bung cartridges at the time. So I really wanted it to be two separate pieces. And then what actually ended up happening was more and more people didn't really care about having two separate pieces. So we just really in- integrated them together. So the USB was on the cartridge itself. Gotcha. And so it became one piece. And the big was, advantage uh, of the other is, though, if you ever wanted to dump your own cartridges and uh, or dump your own right. save games. Right. And, you know, it's funny, too, because I occasionally see people on forums say stuff like, well, you know, all games that have ever been made are dumped, so why would you even need that? But <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of funny. Right, right. Some some of the dumps that people have that people have all been using that are in all the sets are actually not bit perfect. Um, people yep. have found errors and redumped them over the years. So, exactly. yeah, I'm always a or, fan or of some, that. Or somebody finds a prototype or something like that, and then they right. can use our hardware. Yeah. I had... Uh, I don't know how many years ago it was now, three years ago or something. I had uh, somebody send me a few cartridges, and we just didn't know if they were, you know, already dumped prototypes or not. So uh, they sent them to me, and I put them on my hardware and dumped them and sent them back. And turned out, I think they were all, all three of them, I think, were, you know, exactly the same bit for bit as ones that were already available. But you don't know until you try. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you never know when you're going to find a... I hate to you know steal a YouTube catchphrase, but any hidden gems or stuff right, like that. Right, you know, there's right. been a like just the the Rayman SNES prototype that was just found a few weeks ago. You know, it's kind of useless in that it's just walking left and right, but it's what a cool thing to find. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And preservation. I know you talked about this in the past. The preservation of that kind of stuff is nice too. So yeah, even if it's even if it's a different prototype, even if it's an older prototype, if you have a newer one, you can still get really interesting information of you know how was the progression of this game made and stuff like that yeah yeah exactly and uh you know speaking of preservation you have a wonder swan cart out as well right <laughs> yep yeah that's uh, uh i think i have to buy a wonder swan just so i could use that and, and try it out but <laughs> i love to see people you know showing love for the consoles that either weren't popular in the u.s or popular altogether you know right yeah so the wonder swan stuff was kind of because we did Neo Geo Pocket, and there was a lot of uh, people that you know were kind of a similar product in a way. You know, it was a competitor to the Game Boy, Game Boy Color, kind of right before the Game Boy Advance kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, there was a segment of people that knew the Neo Geo Pocket and associated it with the Wonder Swan, or vice versa. 
And so we got a lot of people that said, oh, you're making this Neo Geo Pocket cartridge. Can you make one for the Wonderswan? And so we had a, yeah, um, we're, we're currently, we haven't been making the Wonderswan board, um, but I'd like to get back into that at some point and because part of the reasoning is that there's some mods that we wanted to make to it and we've just been really swamped with other things. But yeah, gotcha. um, but yeah, we have, I grabbed one of those too here. We have one of these and I actually sent one of these to iFix Retro the other day. Oh uh, yeah, Ben was telling so, me about that. So yeah, so he's uh, he said he's going to talk to you about that and let you play around with it and stuff. So Yeah, everything around the New York area is so ridiculously expensive, but there's so many people around here that it, it's kind of <laughs> worth it. You know, Ben could just hop yeah, on a subway and right. 20 minutes later he's here and we're checking out a product. So it is yeah, kind of yeah. a huge advantage. Yeah, so I'll be curious what you think about that. But yeah, it's another thing that we do and it's one of those things that, you know, our focus isn't on that. We wanted to get something that worked because we know people wanted something that worked and it wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't really meant to be this really like lifelong product. It was meant to be, you know, maybe there's a hundred people that want one of these and it, you know, you sell a hundred of them and realize that there's more than that. And then the Neo Geo pocket was that way too. When I first made it, I thought maybe, maybe I'll saturate the market after a hundred units or something, you know, and it's been going for seven years or whatever it's been. It's funny how that works. When I started the website, I, you know, I thought maybe a few people might use it here and there. I had no idea it was going to be a, a tool for people. So <laughs> exactly. So um, I think Renee would kill me if I didn't ask this question: um, the voltage uh, on those carts. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been hearing a lot about this lately, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. These, and you know, I I I, I completely understand why people end up going down that route. Mm -hmm. and you know why the voltage differences there are because i've done a lot of research on what chips we can use and what uh what's available um the neo geo pocket one for sure uses the right voltage chips uh that that were meant for that system because when i built mine now the the um the one that saint does is done in a little bit different way but when i built this i mean this is um it was meant to really kind of mimic the boards that were available at the time so the bung board and then the official neo geo pocket cartridges so i found the chips that were as close to possible as what were on the cart then so these are actually you know the 3.3 volt chips awesome um and the wonder swan is basically the same way you know there's uh we we if you look at them there are some voltage regulators on there but it's only for uh, when you plug it in through the USB and then, gotcha. then, uh, internally everything runs at the three volt. Now, both of those use uh, software that you run on a PC or Mac and that's how you dump the ROMs onto them, right? Right. That's, that's exactly right. Cool. So there's just a USB interface and you can kind of, you know, shoot, um, the, the Wonderswan one has 16 slots and the Neo Geo pocket kind of has two slots in a different way but mm -hmm. anyway yeah, you choose which slot and then you send whatever rom file you want to it and then that's there available on the cartridge whenever you go gotcha now i heard uh, a rumor somewhere um that the the flash chips on the original neo geo pocket games um were basically the same thing but with a write protect uh, enable on that, them that's that's exactly right um so the neo geo pocket was really interesting that, uh, and I, I just realized uh because i started talking about battery 
I was going to start talking about battery. The the cartridge that I've been showing you here for the Wondrous one doesn't have the battery on it, but there usually would be a big kind of coin cell battery on here. But you can notice that the Neo Geo Pocket doesn't have that, but mm-hmm. it still stores. Oh, I think one misconception about the Neo Geo Pocket is the the Neo Geo Pocket itself. Um, I guess I grabbed one here that is uh, in a little bit rough shape, but it has a little coin cell battery mm-hmm. compartment. And uh, one popular misconception is that that's because it's storing all the save game data. But that's not true. The save game data is stored on the cartridge. It's stored in flash memory. Mm-hmm. So if you take an original, um, most most original Neo Geo Pocket cartridges, have all they have is one chip and then maybe a resistor or capacitor here and there. But it's just one chip. And what it is is all the ROM and the save game are all on the same chip. It's just that, you know, 90% of the chip or so is protected. It's right, right protected. So then they leave a little chunk open for save game. So when, when you actually save to the cartridge, it's writing the flash memory. Very cool. Interesting way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was one, uh, unique thing about the Neo Geo pocket at the time is that they did that. And then, in theory, you know, you never run out of battery on your on your cartridge, and you never lose your save game. Yeah. Um, why Why did they have the battery? Was it just for the settings and clock in the Neo Geo Pocket? Yep. For so you could get your horoscope. <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. One of the features. I don't know if this one. If we can boot this one up here. I don't know what state this is in. I just grabbed this off. Oh, this is even a front light unit. Yeah, if you if you go in here, I don't know if you can. It's getting a big reflection there, but I yeah. don't know if you can see it. But there's all there's this little menu system, mm-hmm. and yeah, it has time and date, and we can get our horoscope <laughs> for whatever reason. I never paid attention to that because I just you know <laughs> when I got I think I have three uh, the three different types of Neo Geo pockets that are out, and one, third being a front light kit. Uh, but mm-hmm. I just bought a stack of batteries, and just the first thing I yep. did was throw new batteries in. So I've only seen that screen <laughs> once on each. Yeah, you you get you you can get your horoscope, and there's like a, actually a couple other things that you can do. But I, I feel like it was something that the game developers just never really implemented. Like nobody really cared. But yeah, it, it mm. saves the. Oh, I think you can also use it to wake yourself up, like if you're at a hotel or something. So you can tell it uh, wake me up at 10 a.m. or whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Have you looked into any possibilities at all of a backlight kit for it, or is it just as complicated as the uh, the Game Boy Color might be? Yeah, I have done a little bit because I would really like to see it happen, but you know, from a technical standpoint, I haven't really figured out the pinouts and tried to. I, I think what it would really take is, um, you know, finding an LCD, a backlight LCD that was similar enough. And then having some kind of maybe FPGA or something do the translation and, you know, have all that dot pixel interface translated to a different format. So I think it's really, in a way, not realistic because probably too few people care to make it worth anybody's time. But I say that and then there's all these projects that you look at and say, who decided to do that? (laughs) You know, like, and, and then everybody, you know, people jump on it and it becomes the next cool thing so who knows uh now i guess messing with all this stuff is that kind of what got you into free play tech and and making the uh the game boy advance looking handheld 
Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I've always been kind of around this kind of homebrew development scene as a hobbyist for, you know, many years. And then, you know, with that being around emulation and yeah, I, there was quite a while there where I thought it would be really cool to take something like a Game Boy and then shove in, you know, an emulation system. And mm-hmm. then for, for years there, it just really wasn't feasible. And then, you know, Raspberry Pi came in, blew up and, you know, got really economical and really easy to work with. And then because of that and, you know, in tandem with that, I guess, this whole, you know, retro pie kind of software development, retro arch kind of stuff mm-hmm. came up around that. And now I think it's kind of the right time to be able to put those things together really easily. Yeah, and I, I love the way you guys are going about doing it because when I first first saw the announcement, I just went, "Oh man, are these guys like trashing a bunch of Game Boy advances just to use the?" <laughs> and then you know, by the time I got to the end of the announcement, I realized that you guys were using aftermarket cases, which is perfect. So yeah, and and that was one of the big reasons that we wanted to. You know, uh, obviously the GBA is pretty iconic looking and stuff, mm-hmm. and so people like that form factor, but also. You know, if we chose something like the Neo Geo Pocket, what could we do with it? We'd have to basically make our own from the ground up, which is fine for a product. I don't have any problem with somebody making it from the ground up. We might even try to do that in the future ourselves. But, yeah, for a step into something that we can do, just focusing on the circuitry is kind of uh, our... I don't know, I guess our wheelhouse at the moment with me being kind of on the embedded software side of things and then my partner being the hardware development side of things. Yeah, and you know, with with these things so readily available and with them having a history of being known as some of the most comfortable handhelds to play on, right. it's like, right. you know, why at this point, why bother? But. Yep, yep. And you know, it, I mean, it should be somewhat obvious that our system was kind of born out of this... Uh, this modding community that was doing this with like the GMG style mm-hmm. Game Boy, and we just thought, hey, if we can do that with, you know, I, I prefer the form factor of the of the GBA, but also, you know, I think it's a little more sleek. And one nice thing about the DMG is that it's big and fat, so you can fit a lot of stuff into it. But it's not quite as portable, and in my opinion, not as appealing. And it doesn't have the shoulder buttons and you know right, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So. So um, I guess for anybody that hasn't followed the project, can you kind of just uh, go through what exactly it is you're doing, the resolution of the screen, all that, all the good stuff, I guess? Oh, sure. So <clears throat> basically what we're doing, I brought more props for this, is we're making this kit that has our circuit board paired with a specific LCD. And then it comes with, uh, sorry if I make too much noise here when I'm grabbing stuff off the table, but we have just this little bag of parts. to. So it's it's really DIY at this point. Like I said, maybe sometime in the future we try to make our own shell and everything. But the idea is that we think there's, looks, well, I, I feel like we've shown that there's a segment of people that really want to do the DIY route. Mm-hmm. But there's a, there's a greater segment, I think, of that DIY segment that, wants to only focus on you know the modding of the plastic as much as possible where you know if you take if you look online and you want to find a you know a gba that's been modded to run retro pie mm-hmm. most of them are going to be that that aren't what we're doing is like a huge rat's nest of wires inside of it and yeah. like huge props to those guys i mean it's fun 
to do that and it's a lot of effort and you get something cool out of it when you're done but the majority of people just you know can't do that or when something even if you can follow somebody else's instructions what happens when you get to the end and it's not working perfectly and you have you know 150 wires inside of your machine or whatever so so anyway we decided to do that in so this is uh I don't know if you can read it when I'm doing this, but this is what we called the GamePy Advance for a while. And basically this is the same uh, with only a few mods as what our uh, FreePlay Zero is going to be. We, we've uh, just ordered all the circuit boards for the FreePlay Zero, but anyway, it's really easy to show you this because we have it. So it's so basically anyway. a circuit board built from scratch that's made to look and fit in the or like a drop-in replacement for the Game Boy Advance circuit board. Exactly. So, so there's that, and then the kit comes with the LCD, and you ask about the specs of the LCD. The LCD is a, uh, uh, it's technically it's 240 by 320, and oh. the re- and the reason for that is that most of these small LCDs, it's really hard to find small LCDs that are actually in landscape mode. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a portrait LCD that we use in, in landscape mode. So we use it as a 320 by 240. Um, and then I don't have one of the bezels here, but uh, I can kind of show you this. Um, one of the things, that, and this this looks really scratched up, but it's actually just the screen so, Yeah, the cover, yeah. Um, you can see that the LCD is actually bigger than the viewable area that the GBA gives you. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is, I have a couple different techniques to do this. I've been actually working on this recently, but we basically scale down the resolution a little bit so that it fits really nicely inside of that viewport and it looks the same-ish as a Game Boy Advance game would. Um, You can, if you want, you know, mod it yourself and cut all that out so you could see the whole viewable area of that 320 by 240 but in fact uh, like the gba wasn't even that high of a resolution so it, it really depends on what you're using it for and you know like from your perspective maybe you're a lot more interested in getting like the full resolution out of the 320 by 240 being your background or whatever but you know i, I think for most people uh you know getting something that looks like a GBA, but mm-hmm. does whatever they want it to, and uh, you know that that's something that we're big on. That that it's not, you know, obviously a lot of people are going to use this for emulation, but it's not just an emulation machine. It's it's a full working Linux inside of this shell, so you you can do whatever you want with it. That's kind of up to you, and that's one of the things that we really try to promote. You know, obviously, obviously we know what people are going to be gaming on it, but you can do what you want with it, and yeah. that's that's the DIY piece of it i guess um and i guess the other thing that i didn't talk about so this is our, our uh, free play zero is based on the raspberry pi zero or based mm-hmm. around the raspberry pi zero this doesn't come with our kit um one of the main reasons why this doesn't come with the kit is because when you try to buy these you can only buy one at a time oh wow it, yeah so um the the regular raspberry pi is you can buy in quantity Mm-hmm. But they decided to make the Raspberry Pi Zero, and this one's actually a Zero W, so it has uh, wireless and Bluetooth built in. But they decided to make these as kind of this like entry level price point. And as far as I can understand, they're kind of doing this in a way that you know maybe a user, an end user, would buy one of these. So the the W is 
ten dollars and the the raspberry pi zero is five dollars so a lot of people would think it's no big deal buy one of those for five or ten dollars and kind of get into raspberry pi hobbyist kind of stuff well as a you know as somebody that wants to integrate that it's really tough because we can't buy these so one problem that we have with this is uh, i'll show you in our little kit our little kit comes with a pin header that you have to solder on yourself. So you can see this one has the pin header soldered on, mm-hmm. but usually they don't have the pin header um, when you buy them. So we have to solder our pin header on here. And one of the drawbacks of that is the pin header that we use is a specific uh, low profile pin header. So it'll fit inside of the shell properly. Mm-hmm. And so it, it creates a little bit of a problem because the end user has to do some soldering, which not everybody wants to do. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, if they wanted to swap out a different Pi Zero for some reason, like if they went from the Zero to the Zero W or something like that, then they have to get this specific pin header also. So um, that kind of moves <laughs> or desolder each individual pin, <laughs> right? And it's not worth it for a five or ten dollar little piece of hardware, right? <clears throat> um, but that does move us forward to why part of the you know your question about the kickstarter and what we're offering and you know all that then the other thing that we've come up with is this is called the free play cm3 this is obviously just a Mm -hmm. half of a machine but the free play cm3 is built off of this compute module 3 and this is a different raspberry pi product Mm -hmm. that uh, most people don't know about they know the raspberry pi 3 exists well this is a basically the same cpu as a raspberry pi 3 but in a different form factor yeah it's a sodium form factor so they took advantage of all of the laptop sodium slots still available for purchase to make it cheaper yeah exactly so um even even today i got another question about you know okay well you're using the raspberry pi 3 so it should have this and that built in and the answer is no it's just it's the compute module that we're using but because most people don't know the compute module exists when i explain it to people i say you know it's got the power of the raspberry pi 3 um, gotcha. but but it becomes confusing at some point uh, but anyway our our newer version or what we call like the premium version will come with these because we can source these in bulk and in fact we just from the kickstarter funds bought about 150 of these and so the the Freeplay CM3 version will come with it all built in like this, but you can see it's really nice and sleek and it kind of embeds right in there. And so it kind of becomes part of our product and then nobody needs to do any soldering to you know, build their system up. They just have to take an X-Acto knife or a Dremel tool and shave off a bunch of little pieces of plastic and then build it together. So it's a lot more like just building a model mm-hmm. than it is where, you know, when you're over here, you have to do definitely some soldering. And the software configuration is the same no matter what, right? <clears throat> yeah. Right now we have an SD card image. And like I said, so we did this uh, as the GamePy Advance for a little while just mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. kind of see if there was any interest in it. And then that's what the Kickstarter was born out of. So, so far with that, we've just released uh, SD card image. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I have been working on recently is taking that and making it into a nice way so anybody that wants to take any... Basically, my, my vision is that any, any Raspbian system, it'd be, e- it'd be really easy to apply our software mods to that, and then it would just boot up on here. 
but there are some things that if you just loaded RetroPie on here or Raspbian or something, mm -hmm. um, you won't. It won't drive the LCD properly. You won't get the audio output, and the buttons won't work. Gotcha. And those things aren't insurmountable in any measure. It's just when when this is what you have, it's really hard to build it out of the box that way without. You know, most people are used to putting an SD image in and you have a keyboard connected and a mouse, maybe right, a mouse yeah. or, you know, you have some kind of inputs that are automatically detected. Well, these aren't, so you need those mods. Gotcha. So the, the Kickstarter is completely done, right? And it was totally successful, right? Yep, yep. Um, our goal was $18,000 and then we actually raised 45000 which awesome. is really nice for us. Congrats. Um, I think one th one thing, you know, going into this, uh, yeah, I would have had this view, but being on the other other end of it, uh, I th I see, you know, a lot of people look at that and think, oh, your goal was eighteen thousand, and you really far succeeded that or exceeded that. And you know, at the time when we hit eighteen thousand, you know, people were like patting me on the back or you know, virtually patting me on the back, and and, and it's like, no, that was that was like the minimum to get by. You know, if we were at seventeen thousand. We wouldn't have done the project, mm -hmm. and if we were, you know, if if all we got was eighteen thousand, we would definitely do the project. But it would that would be like almost the worst case because, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's like raising the minimum but still having to do all the same work in some in some ways. Yeah, and it's also, um, you know, you're you're supplying a product to people too. So right. the you know in a in a Kickstarter scenario where people are actually getting a physical thing. Um, yeah. it's, you know, while it, you should be very proud that that many people were interested, it's not like you only needed 18 grand and here's all this vacation money you have. All of that <laughs> right, money is going right, to right. purchase stuff to give people the products that they bought. So exactly, exactly. And it's not like a digital type of product where, you know, you raise a certain amount and then you get, you know, 150% of that and you just, you know, copy, make copies of it. We, that, that's not the case. So we, we yeah. definitely have to put that money into, and, and I think, I think a lot of people get really fixated on that. Okay. We raised $45,000 and you know, that's a big number. It is. I mean, but at the same time, you know, it's like you said, it's not going into my pocket, <laughs> you right. know? So, um, yeah, but I, I actually think, that what we raised and we've done a little bit after that um on like pre-sales on our website for people that missed the kickstarter mm -hmm. but i think that we're actually in a really good spot it's like i said it's above our minimum goal but in some ways you know there's a greedy side of me that would have said oh you know if we got if we raised a million dollars that would have been excellent but realistically we're in a really manageable position you know that, that I think everything's really doable. Everything we said we can do, we're going to do. And, you know, if we would have, you know, raised 10 times that amount, I don't know. Like, you know, I told you we had to buy 150 of those uh, compute modules. Yeah. Like, what, what if we had to buy 1,000 of those? I don't know if we could have. Uh, or even if you could, how do you manage that? I mean, that was something yeah, um, right. a company, I worked for a small company that ended up coming up with a neat thing. And, you know, we finally found our big customer and they said, all right, well, let's put in an order for 500 right away. So we'll get those in one test location. It's like, all right, awesome. Uh, and then we're going to need another 10,000 by June. It's like, <laughs> oh shit yeah exactly, exactly we need like five million dollars to make this happen like you know and this isn't kickstarter this is a business so if you had too many oh, right. it almost would uh would be a bad thing so it's, i'm glad you're in a the the happy medium here 
yeah, I mean, when it's all said and done, maybe I'll tell you something different. But at this point, I feel pretty positive about it. You know, everything's yeah. been going fairly smooth. We've been spending a lot of money. You know, the money that we got from Kickstarter, we've mm-hmm. been spending that. And, you know, a lot, some of the stuff, some of the product has come to us already. But, you know, there's always, like, you, you find that every step of the way, somebody else wants a, their little piece of the pie. So, like, just... You know, over the weekend, I got a call from DHL saying, oh, you got to pay, you know, these taxes or else we can't release your package. And oh, yeah. Like, well, and yeah. then just so, wait until that... April rolls around and you realize how much of this you have to spend in actual taxes anyway. So yeah, it's, yeah uh, right, right. Yeah. So there's import duties and then there's, yeah, at every step of the way, there's going to be something else. And it just eats into that, you know, that that vacation fund that you said that yeah. I'm going to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day that uh, he's, She's worked on a lot of these projects, a lot of crowdfunding things, and I was talking to him about an idea that I've been having, and he said, "Yeah, all that's great, double double the minimum that you need." And I went, "Yeah, yeah, look, I'm yeah. I'm a realist here. I know exactly what could go wrong." He goes, "Yeah, you think you know?" And then he named <laughs> ten yeah, other things. Right, right. Even though I was in a, a hardware manufacturing company and I was hand in hand working this stuff, you know, he named five other things that I just I wouldn't have thought of because I'd never done Kickstarter related before or anything yep. like that. Yep. So. Yeah. yeah, we were wrestling with this. Uh, even just today, I was looking at. Uh, I don't. I don't know how much backing of Kickstarter stuff you do, but uh, um, you know, you can you can just use Kickstarter. You know, from my perspective of being the creator, I can just use Kickstarter now, or I can use. There's a few products like Backer Kit that is a really popular one, or uh, uh, any, anyway, it doesn't matter the other names. But you know, there's these. Uh, you know, basically Kickstarter management software add-on things that in theory give my backers a better experience and maybe help me raise even more funds and all this, you know, all these things that they promise. But, you know, it's just somebody else that wants a piece of the pie. And how do you weigh that with, you know, does it actually help the campaign or does it help yeah. it enough? Or, you know, well, anytime, uh, you know, anytime, what's the best way to put this? There's always going to be uh, there's always going to be cockroaches scurrying to get the crumbs. <laughs> I was trying to be yep. a dick without being too much of a dick, but the, the, <laughs> I mean everything I've ever done that's not just straight corporate business. You know, we you know we put right. out the album, and as soon as somebody saw, oh well, you know they they had the money to put out the album. Now there's uh, 50 emails a day asking us, well if oh, you yeah. buy this, we'll yeah. give you that, and you know if you pay for this. And then as soon as my YouTube channel started to average more than a few hundred views a video, it was you know if you pay us 70% of your revenue. We'll give you all the free music yeah. you want. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have enough yeah. of that. And, <laughs> and when we launched the Kickstarter, I would say, at least at first, before things really kind of ramped up, um, I would say probably over 50% of the messages that I received for a while were like that. Oh, you, you need help with this. You need help with this marketing. You need help with video editing. You need help with, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I was bored on a I was bored on a long car trip one time where I was the passenger and I got an email from one of those people and I went back and forth like ten <laughs> times just but like kiss assy polite, like, hi, well what is it exactly that you guys provide? Well I already have that, so what else and they just canned answers every time. It yep, just yep. kinda cracks me up. So Yep. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's too bad it's that way, but you know, it that's that's life and how the world works, I guess. You gotta manage it. Yep. So um, your your initial goal, um, uh, the target delivery date, wasn't the first tier of that in August? Yes, the first tier is in August. Um, we have those boards 
being manufactured right now, mm-hmm. or at least we're told they're manufacturing them. <laughs> you know, this is one of those things where we paid a bunch of money and now we're just kind of waiting for mm-hmm. things to happen. Not that we don't have anything to do on our end, but you know, there's certain things that are just kind of out of our hands right now. Right. Yeah. So yeah, the manufacturing of that. Uh, yeah, we we up until this point when we did the GamePi Advance boards, we did everything in house. Oh, I, we didn't manufacture the circuit boards themselves, right, yeah. but we did all the soldering in house. So that's our fallback plan. Our, our plan is to do, um, we did it, the first tier is 25 units, so it's pretty manageable. We ordered 35 just in case there was problems with you know some percentage of them. And if everything goes poorly, we also ordered some circuit boards, and you know we could order circuit boards ex- expedited if we needed to, but to get those first set of 25 out, we could solder them all by hand if we, if we needed to. Awesome. Um, but the goal with that is to prove that, you know, that whole manufacturing pipeline is set up and then immediately order the next tier of boards, you know, hopefully gotcha. there's nothing, hopefully there's no problems with those first 25 and then we'll just reorder immediately. So but for people that missed the Kickstarter, they could, you said they could pre-order them now on your website? Yeah. So at freeplaytech.com, you can go there and pre-order the Freeplay Zero version. The Freeplay CM3 we haven't put up for pre-order yet, um, mostly just because the Freeplay Zero, as far as the Kickstarter goes, that was much more of a let's take this thing that works and outsource the manufacturing of it. Mm-hmm. The Freeplay CM3, even though I have one right here, we have a, actually have two of these that are kind of running that we built on. A, we had our own circuit board that we soldered up in-house, mm-hmm. um, and we haven't had any problems with them, but there's still design work being done. They're, they're, it's not a finished product yet. Uh, so for those, I think we'll probably open up pre-sales of them pretty soon here, maybe in a week or so. But, you know, I... I I hesitate to do that because I just don't feel as ready with that one quite yet. So even though we definitely have pre-sold some on Kickstarter, mm-hmm. there's reasons that we're waiting to do that straight through our website. No, it makes, makes total sense to me. And um, so for people, if anybody were to go on and pre-order what's available now, um, are we looking at still in 2017 for a target ship date? Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we still kind of... so. On Kickstarter, we had the tier of 25, and then there was a tier of 100 units, and then after that, we had it opened up to 250 units. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't remember offhand, but we didn't we didn't come close to filling the whole 250. So what we're looking at with the website pre-sales are that's kind of basically filling up that 250 unit tier. Mm-hmm. And in fact, if everything goes perfectly with the tier of 25, we'll probably just combine the 100 and the 250 tiers and just have them all manufactured all at once. Mm-hmm. But we'll see how things go. I mean, there's reasons that we kind of segmented it out like that. So, yeah, the pre-sales on the website are basically once we ship the final free play zero from the kickstarter will immediately ship as you know begin shipping the website pre-sale orders gotcha cool um, so that, that's the plan there now did i hit all the products right I, i'm not forgetting anything am i i think i think you hit that i mean this is you got you know, the we, you know you got the the raspberry pi based you know handhelds that are awesome for the kickstarter you got the wonder swan <laughs> and the neo geo pocket uh, flash carts um, yeah. I don't think I missed anything, right? No, I think I think that's about it. I think 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the free play stuff. In, in fact, we, we talked about the flash cartridges, but, you know, those are, in a way, backburnered at the moment. Like like I said, we the, the Wonderswan one, where we haven't done a run of these in a while, and people ask me all the time about them, and I just have to say, you know, it's like, sorry, but... Then you're out of stock really, for that now, right? We're out of stock, and we're, in fact, we're out of stock on these, too. Uh, the Neo Geo Pocket ones, oh. which are a lot easier for us to produce. It's just been, you know, we, it's one of these things where, you know, people have already given us their money for this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one, one thing we could do is, you know, open these up again to some pre-sales or something like that. And when we got a critical mass, just order a bunch of them. But really, it's just two of us working on this and it's really a full-time project. And yeah, I, I apologize to people that, you know, we're out of stock on the flash cartridges, but the reality is, you know, it's, it's, uh, not our, it's, it, this, this stuff has never been our main focus as, uh, you know, this was born out of hobby. This mm-hmm. was kind of a, well, let's just see if we can do a wonder swan one and it worked. So we started selling them because people wanted them, but it was never really a, Hey, this is our big product, but I, I really think for a lot of different reasons, uh, the FreePlay Zero and the FreePlay CM3 are things that we can not only sell as a working product, but kind of build off of. Yeah, I think um, as long as that's well communicated on your website, I think everybody would be completely understanding, and I think even respect the fact that that's how you're approaching this. Like, all right, well, people paid me money for this, so this is what we're going to work on. And yep. then right. once it becomes one of our products on the shelf, then we'll, we'll start treating them as products and not, you know, I think that's totally respectable. So, Yeah, yeah. And the, the Flashmaster website was always sort of meant to be this kind of, I wouldn't say itself was a community, but it was more that idea it was kind of born out of that hobby level kind of work that I did. And, you know, even though we kind of turned it into a manufacturable circuit board, mm-hmm. it still never was, uh, you know, meant to be like an end product of, you know, part of our, we're going to get rich quick scheme kind of thing, you know, <laughs> right. it, it, it always was just this uh, thing that we did because I really loved the Neo Geo pocket for so many years. And, I couldn't get anybody else to do it, so I was by default the guy that should do it. And you know, it was always it's always been kind of that way. So, you know, and and in some ways now that there's you know you want to call it competition from the Neo SD, it I, I wouldn't say that it downplays the necessity of this, but in, in you know for serving the community, it's you know if if somebody needs a cartridge right now, in some ways you know that it's. It's the right for my, time for you to be out of stock. <laughs> Works right. for everybody. And, and you know, my my view of that is a lot more as a you know fan of the Neo Geo Pocket. So, if somebody wants to become a new Neo Geo Pocket owner and they want a flash cartridge to go with it, it's great for me if they have ours or Saints. So, you know, if if they're both in stock and they want to make the choice which one's the product that they want, mm-hmm. then that, that's even better. But at the moment, if, if they can't get ours but they can get his, that's still more people involved in that Neo Geo Pocket community. So that's cool. Exactly. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that's how you look at things because it's, uh, it's very cool, you know? So. Yeah. 
<clears throat> well, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to do this. This was awesome. You know, I, I feel like catching up and, and, you know, getting the scoop on all your products. Definitely keep me updated anytime there's anything new going on. I'll make sure to yeah, keep okay. everybody else updated as right, well. Right. So. Yeah, and I've uh, ever since we kind of talked, I've been well. On, we were on our road trip, and I listened to your stuff via podcast form instead of on YouTube, and it was it was actually pretty uh, pretty cool to be able to keep up with the news while I wasn't behind the keyboard and stuff like that. So I really appreciate what you're doing too. Awesome, glad to hear it, man. Well, yeah. thanks again for doing this, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks a lot. See you later.